Hey, Peter Howard here from the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Did you know people that listen to the Dynasty Crossroads Show are 20% more likely to be happy? Probably, maybe. This and other maybe facts on the Dynasty Crossroads. Check this out. Yeah. Chicken, chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the... Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Welcome back to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. My name is Matt Price. You can follow me on Twitter at MattPriceFF. We have Ryan McDowell, of course, at RyanMC23. Ryan, Dan is, uh, he's not here. That doesn't happen often with Dan. I think maybe once in the entire time I've been podcasting with him. So this is a little bit weird. Yeah, it is. It is kind of weird for sure. I'm, I'm a little nervous uh, with with Dan <laughs> gone. So, like a peek into my life, Matt. Uh, my son just turned sixteen a month ago, and everywhere we've gone for the past month, he wants to drive, and we let him drive, and it's a little scary uh, <laughs> because I'm not, you know, I'm not in control. I'm not sure I trust the one that is in control, and that's kind of what it feels like tonight with with you running the ship. So, uh, you know, no offense, uh, well, but uh, well, no, I'm I'm, I'm no, joking. I I'm joking. You're you're uh, you're great. We'll we'll miss Dan, but we'll get by without him. Yeah, it's it's a little bit weird feeling for me too. I don't know how many episodes ago, but at some point we made the decision to just make Dan. Uh, host every episode but you know i used to host sometimes so we'll yeah. see if i can can figure this out uh if you want to steer the the train off the rails so to speak even more we have a fill-in for him we have ken kelly who you know we've had a little bit of questionable history with ryan uh in terms of recording the podcast he's really funny but you just never know quite what you're going to get out of ken ken how are you doing man i'm doing great so yeah i was looking up the episode number and looks like this is episode number 573 so i'm actually feeling really guilty because i think this is the third time i've been asked to be on the show and i really feel like (laughs) other people really need an opportunity so you know three times out of 573 it's it's truly an honor (laughs) truly an honor matt so yeah i will do my best to try to hold down the fort for dan and sound relatively knowledgeable well, you're playing. I think you're playing the me role. I'm playing. I'm playing Dan. You're playing. You're playing me. So, well, in that on. case, I have work, no idea. What, okay. Out, well, then there go. Well, then there go all the animal questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the startup. All right. Well, uh, we are going to get into the startup right now, and the startup this week, Ryan. I, I, I've been reading a lot on Twitter, reading some articles, listening to a lot of podcasts as I normally do, and it seems like every year we're searching for the next whatever player. Oh yeah. I feel like last year we were searching for the next Cooper Cup. Uh, turns out Cooper Cup is the Cooper Cup. Um, this year it seems like people are searching for the next Josh Jacobs. That you know nobody wanted to draft him, whether it was dynasty, whether we we're talking about underdog drafts, whatever it was, he was kind of the forgotten running back, despite you know being the clear top option in that backfield. And the people that believed in him, uh, it worked out for him. Finished as the running back three overall last season. Um, so yeah, so I guess my question for you is I, I've heard I've heard a bunch of names coming out. The first name that I always hear is it's Najee Harris this year. Nobody wants to draft Najee Harris. Everybody hates Najee Harris. He's the one who's going to emerge as a top producer that nobody's really thinking about. So for the startup, I thought we would search out, see if we can find some players that maybe kind of fill that Josh Jacobs kind of narrative. But for me, Ryan, it's not Najee Harris. How about you? 
No, I don't think it's Najee Harris for me either. And, um, you know, it's so tricky when you're trying to find that next player, like, like you were mentioning there, because the answer usually is there, there's not one. If you think about Josh Jacobs profile a year ago, there, there was a lot going on, right? First of all, he's coming off back to back Mm -hmm. RB one seasons. And you would think that would be, you know, that would be a player that we would want on our roster. But as you said, a year ago, it wasn't because the team had given us some some reasons to be concerned. They had drafted Zamir White. They had uh, opted not to pick up the fifth year option on Josh Jacobs. So they had the Raiders had given us some, you know, some reasons to be concerned about Josh Jacobs uh, and his future. From that standpoint, a couple of guys come to mind, and uh, these guys have not been quite as productive uh, as as Jacobs was in his first three years prior to last year. Uh, but but they have had some value, some some serious dynasty value, and they've lost that value over the past year or two. So Cam Akers is the first one to come to mind. Uh, currently seventy two overall, RB twenty two, and I mean this is a, a player that his team has given us reason to be concerned about as well. Of course, they tried to trade him. Uh, They sat him, uh, you know, on the bench for much of the 2022 season before he, uh, you know, kind of took over that backfield, regained that backfield and and finished pretty strong last season. So, uh, I mean, a former first rounder in our dynasty ADP, uh, of course, that was pre injury, uh, a player who, we think is, is finally back to 100% health, but we're not really sure what his standing on his team is. And that kind of matches up with Jacobs this time last year. Yeah, I like, uh, I like that one quite a bit. We definitely are not thinking about him really. It doesn't seem the team was really thinking much about him for most of last season. Right. And then at the end of the season, just kind of went on a tear. Uh, Ken, uh, give us a name here. I mean, we're, we're searching for a, a player that we, we think is going to significantly outproduce produce their current draft capital. So Josh Jacobs went up from running back 25 all the way up to running back 10 in Dynasty um, one year ago from one year ago today. Uh, Najee Harris is already running back nine, so it's probably not him. But w- what do you think? Do you have any names for us that we're, we're kind of down on that could significantly outproduce their dra- current draft capital? Well, I've narrowed it down to around 37 names, but I'm going to have to have to take it down even further. You know, I have three or four down. One of those, and this is going to sound, it's going to sound crazy to some. I look at Tyler Algier and I think there's some real value that could be taken here. So he's right now, his ADP is 154, RB 47. I am as big a fan of Bijan Robinson as anybody. And I think he is going to be a transcendent talent in this league for the better part of the next decade. However, you also look at Algier and say, okay, he had a pretty productive rookie season. We know he can carry the ball. They have been talking up Robinson's ability to play the slot, play multiple positions, catch passes. And I don't think they're just going to want to run him into the ground. So we've seen this happen before. I mean, we've seen it happen with Seattle and many other teams as well, where all of a sudden a, a hotshot rookie gets drafted and the existing you know, running back is suddenly worthless. You know, I think back to even Arian Foster when Ben Tate was drafted. I mean, everybody was all over Ben Tate and thinking that Arian Foster was not going to be worth 
much of anything. And then he ended up being, you know, one of the the key pieces to dynasty leagues for a number of years after that. So now, do I think Tyler Algier is going to outperform Bijan Robinson? No. But I also think that, you know, all the way down to RB 47 with an ADP of 154, this is a player who is still going to be moderately productive. And I think really outplay what their ADP really is at this point. I think it's just simply dropped too far. Well, Ryan, Ken is uh, dating us all by talking about Arian Foster. So uh, what, what do you think about that? One Matt, I, I'm just going to, Matt, I would like, never date you. We just, we don't match up. I'm just telling you right now. I'm not, I would never do that. Definitely swiping mm-hmm. left uh, on you and uh, Tyler Al- Algier for this season. Ryan, what about you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's obvious reasons to be worried about Algier and, and that's why he's lost so much value since the draft. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm worried about this Atlanta team uh, playing well enough and being productive enough to support Bijan Robinson along with uh, along with London and Pitts. I don't I don't think this is going to be an offense that is uh, that has has enough production to go around. I know they were, um, you know, I know they were strong on the ground last year with Algier and, and Patterson, uh, but. I just don't see, I don't see Algier having a large, a large enough role to really be uh, a big value gainer. I mean, again, we're talking about Jacobs up to, you know, that, that third round range now, you know, what's, what's the ceiling for Algier? Like eighth round, ninth round, right? Like, (laughs) I mean, even coming off a a thousand yard season before Bijan was drafted, his ADP was, was still, you know, it, it, yeah, I, it did well to get in the double digit or in the top 10 rounds. Yeah. And I, and I, I mean, I, I don't, feel, I don't disagree I, with you guys at all. And I mean, we're talking about, I try to go really, really deep here. Yeah. You know, to try to find here, somebody. Right. Yeah. Totally digging just to see like, and, and certainly if, if Robinson somehow got hurt, um, you know, which I'm probably going to be. Yeah. You're in trouble. I, I know people are going to shut off the show just because I said that, but um, you know, certainly there's, there's opportunity there. I do have another name that I'm curious to see what you guys think about too. Um, now, certainly we did not see the best of Russell Wilson last year. Um, we started to see perhaps the best of Jerry Judy. And I don't know that his value has really caught up to what we saw over his last four or five weeks. I mean, you'll recall he had a three touchdown game, he had multiple hundred yard games in an offense that was really, really struggling. He's still sitting there as a wide receiver, 28 ADP of 53. This is a guy who, if, if Wilson clicks under Sean Payton, I think Judy has the opportunity to be more of a mainstream player, not a, not a deep dive like Algier, but more of a mainstream player that could make a a pretty good jump. So I'm curious to see what you guys think about that one. I like that one quite. Uh, I like that one better than your Algier call. For, I'll just go back to that one real quick. Your Algier call, like I feel like that one is is going to either one of two things happen to happen. Either Bijan has to, we're not going to even going to put it out there, but you know something has to happen to Bijan, or 
they have to be the same offense as they were last season and running the ball 50, whatever it is, 52.4% of the time, whatever the number was. Uh, and it just seems like with Ritter in there, once he, what those, what was a four or five game sample that we had, it seemed like they wanted to pass more with Ritter, but if he's awful, then, you know, both of these backs are going to have value again. You know, we, we talk, we, we see all these reports of Bijan, maybe he's going to line up in the slot. Some he's going to get some work as a receiver, which would make sense because outside of Pitts and, and London, honestly, there's not a lot there. Um, but your Judy call, I like quite a bit because we saw his efficiency increase three years in a row and from a from a uh, yards per route run metric um so i i mean if he's the guy we i've heard cecil lammy put out there who is a you know big broncos insider that a lot of the times when judy isn't the guy he kind of loses interest you know that's maybe a little bit of narrative speak or whatever um i've seen some other reports that he's just tired of losing which makes sense for a guy that went to alabama and was used to nothing but winning right so I think Judy's a good call. I think he's the most obvious target uh, in in that offense. You know, he's not the hand-picked guy like Marvin Mims is, but it seems like Sutton is probably on the way out, whether through production or through a trade, whatever it might be. So I like the Judy call, Ryan. I I like the Judy call as well. It really seems like he kind of fits that narrative uh, of Josh Jacobs from a year ago that while he had been – while he's been productive and and shown that upside uh, he also hasn't been consistent enough to actually gain value or maintain the value he he had when he was coming into the league. So these are not, I know we talked breakout players last week. These are not necessarily breakout players that we're looking for, but uh, again, in that, in that Josh Jacobs mold, almost those like post type sleepers where they had some value lost that value and then finally fulfilled the expectations that we have for them. Yeah. And that's why I went with, uh, for my first player, uh, I went with DJ Moore, Hmm. who has been somebody that we love uh, in dynasty until really last year. We had coming off of entering 2022 season and had three straight 1100 yard uh, seasons uh, with four touchdowns in each of those. The, it was what, is DJ Moore ever going to score touchdowns? He did put up seven last year, some more. He increased his uh, yards per reception from 2021 as well. And now, I mean, outside of Cam Newton, if we're going to even say he's a great quarterback, he really hasn't had a great quarterback, and he's going to a new home where we think that the volume is going to be low, and we have another rushing quarterback where we think that the pass volume is just isn't really going to be there, right? But uh, what if it is? I mean – what if it is? What if he does take the the Jalen Hurts kind of uh, kind of step as a passer? I mean, I think he has a lot further to go than Jalen Hurts did, or even Josh Allen had to had to go, and it's going to be reliant on this coaching staff wanting to put him in situations where he is going to be able to pass more. But we know G- DJ Moore is very good. This is the best weapon that Justin Fields has ever had. It's probably the best quarterback outside of Cam that uh, early season or early career DJ Moore, late season Cam, I guess um, the uh, DJ Moore has ever had. So. He was my first choice here. Ken, how do you feel about that one? I like that call. I think that Moore is one of those players who has typically been undervalued. He has been habitually the victim of terrible quarterback play throughout his entire career. And just like Moore is going to be the best receiver Fields has ever had, Fields is going to be the best quarterback that Moore has ever had. You know, not a slide on Sam Darnold. But I'm just saying, I think that Fields is going to be a little bit better. Uh, Now, I think there's always a danger with Chicago pass catchers. Historically, you know, you just haven't really seen big numbers in the Windy City. Uh, But I do think that Fields showed enough last year for us to think, okay, this guy might be the one 
to really turn around this franchise. And they're kind of like the the sleeper pick to make the playoffs. When you look at a lot of the different publications out there, a lot of people have Chicago making that leap. I don't know if I'd go that far, but if they do, it's certainly going to be you know on the heels of this brand new connection of, of Fields and, and DJ Moore really being successful. So I like that pick quite a bit. It really just feels like DJ Moore is at a little bit of a crossroads in his career, not only because he has been traded, he's he's uh, getting this this fresh start with Chicago, but he was kind of always that player who um, I think dynasty managers have looked at as he's that young wide receiver with a lot of upside. And he's just been like on the brink of a real breakout for the past four years. You look at his, uh, season long finishes his second season. He was wide receiver 16 and we, we vaulted him up his ADP shot up. Uh, and then the, the next three years, wide receiver, 24 wide receiver, 17 wide receiver, 25. So he's been, he's been good. He's been very good, but he hasn't been great. And now he's 26 years old. So, I mean, he's going to have to, I think, have a have a Josh Jacobs type year at, at the wide receiver position statistically uh, to really, uh, you know, rectify kind of his situation and validate his ADP that he's had for the past four or five years. Um, I mean, this time next year, you know, honestly, no matter what his 2023 season looks like, I think we could be looking at him and saying he's 27. This is when we start to move him down the ranks, move him down drafts. And uh, this, yeah, this is a big year for DJ Moore for those reasons. I think if he does put up just this middling wide receiver two kind of season again, then we, I think you're exactly, exactly right. But historically we do see wide receiver production kind of spike between those 26 to 28 year seasons uh, for most of the the more elite prospects and we at one point we thought dj Moore was that so uh, i agree if we get a wide receiver two season he's probably just going to keep going 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 down the adp ryan you got another player for us i think probably the kind of the poster boy for this um situation is alexander madison right now because he's he's obviously because of his situation primed for a, a big year of course not quite in that uh, hasn't been in that Josh Jacobs situation where he's he hasn't been the starter before as, as Jacobs was. So, um, you know, maybe that's a different situation, but certainly a player that we look at and think that he could gain a ton of value. Uh, current ADP is 87 overall and RB 29. Um, you know, I, just, I still want to see what the Vikings do at that running back position. They do have a couple of uh, young backups that, um, you know, started to get the interest of dynasty managers, uh, but I'm I'm not I'm not totally sure they're done at that position. Uh, you know, between now and, and the season starting. Oh, Leonard Fournette, <laughs> who's going to who's going there, Ryan? I, I mean, I think Leonard Fournette would make a lot of sense, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a tough one. Like, I like he's been so he's been very good when Dalvin is in there. He he looks like a maybe a less fast, less explosive Dalvin Cook, honestly, on, on the film. And he's 225 pounds, so they can just they can just ride him if they want to. But behind him is a lot of inexperience, like you mentioned uh, there. Ken, what are your thoughts on Madison? And you got another player for us? 
Well, Matt, since we're dating, I'm just going to, we're going to date ourselves again here. Uh, and I'll throw out a name that he really reminds me of. And this is like way back in the way back machine. So Ryan will remember this guy, San Francisco, a San Francisco running back who everybody looked at as like the next big thing for three, four, five years, got his opportunity and really wasn't. Oh, no. I don't know. Who is it? Kevin Barlow. So oh, okay. we're, talking, oh, we're yeah. talking way back yeah, here, Kevin right? Barlow. But Madison reminds wow. me of Barlow because he's always been uber productive whenever given the chance. And, you know, now it looks like it could be his backfield and we're going to see really what he has to offer. Now they do have those, you know, whether it's, it's Chandler McBride, whoever it might be. I mean, they, they do have some other young backs out there and, and I, I'm kind of with Ryan on this front too. Like, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent confident that they're done. I think that there could be another addition out there somewhere. Um, you know, so, some veteran to, to kind of take a little bit of the load off, but I, certainly in this exercise, when you look at players who could gain a massive amount of value, he certainly has the combination of age and opportunity to fit that bill. And he really is kind of the poster child for this type of an exercise. I a hundred percent agree with that. It's a little bit tough because of the one year deal. Like, like, yeah, like that, that part is a little bit rough. Like, like in terms of what he could be next year, like if he has a giant season, is he, has he priced himself out of Minnesota? Um, but I certainly think we could get a rise uh, from him. Ken, did you have another player or you want me to throw out another one? I do have one more and I'm going to be labeled as the rookie hater of 2023, which I really shouldn't be, but I look at a player who I think, again, has dropped a little bit too far just based on post-draft ADP, and that's that's Kenneth Walker. Um, living where I do, having the Seahawks draft Zach Charbonnet was not a shock to me. You know, if you listen to Seattle Sports Radio for the better part of March and April, Zach Charbonnet's name came up multiple times so when his name was called in the second round i was not stunned at all because this is a franchise that thrives on having competition at every position now i don't think that that walker is going to just you know be some incredible bell cow that keeps charbonnet off the field the entire season i don't think that's going to happen but i do think that walker showed us enough last year for us to believe that he really can be a dynamic player in the NFL and in dynasty leagues. And right now, all the way down to 37, all the way down to RB 13, I think his apex was all the way up to, and Ryan, you could probably help me out on this, probably like RB four, RB five, somewhere like that, you know, before Charbonnet was drafted. I just think that we've, we've seen this story so many times where a team drafts a rookie, then all of a sudden we devalue the starter now, Walker hasn't fallen off the, the face of the planet. Nobody believes that Charbonnet is just going to usurp him as the, the starter. But I, I do think that we're taking this a little bit far with him. I think right now, I mean, for me, I, I still see Walker as a, a pretty good you know, third-round pick. If you got him in the fourth round where his ADP is right there, I think you're you're really feeling pretty good about your squad. So I, I just think that the, I guess my message to listeners out there this week is really just to kind of beware a little bit because we do look at these rookies and we pencil them in and we think, okay, they have X amount of value. And we really don't know until we see them on the field. What we do know is some of these veterans 
have performed admirably before they have talent. And again, with running backs, talented running backs always get opportunities. Maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's the next, you know? So I, I just look at that and think, okay, this might be a little bit of an overreaction. The Walker call is really interesting because it's almost like Josh Jacobs three-year career prior to last year jammed into one year, <laughs> right? Like yeah. if, if we took those three years where he was a top two or three dynasty rookie pick and we had these high expectations and then he was just okay the first couple of years and his ADP really started to bottom out. So in June of last year, uh, obviously, uh, preseason uh but but after the draft kenneth walker was the rb14 in our dynasty adp and then we saw what we saw and he rose up to be the rb2 in both november and december now he's rb13 so if if you just took those two data points of one year ago and right now (laughs) it looked like you might think he had an okay season he gained one spot in value gained a little bit of value and the reality is he was a first round startup pick therefore, you know, a few months stretch and, and the RB two behind uh, Jonathan Taylor. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm with, I think the hate has gone too far. I really like Zach Charbonnet, but I really like Walker as well. And I can't believe he's not an RB one right now. Yeah, I'm the other way. I think it's, I feel like, I mean, maybe I'm just projecting my personal feelings. I mean, clearly I am, but I just feel like Charbonnet is is going to take, is going to take the the lead role there. We saw Kenneth Walker on 23.7% of his carries went for zero or negative yards. He had 12 of Seattle, 16 goal to go carries, only scored two touchdowns. This, he had the second worst success rate, uh, PFS success rate metric behind only uh, James Robinson. Do you think, so. do you think, He's tough, man. Do you think Pete Carroll knows any of that? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> somebody on his staff does, though. Somebody, somebody. Okay, staff that's right. Um, let's uh, let's you know. I'll throw out one more name, but then we should probably move on to uh, the bulk of our our conversation today. I'm going to throw out Deontay Johnson. Uh, what he is currently 62 overall wide receiver, 32. And it just the the change in the way we felt about this guy between you know, the 20, end of the 2021 season and the end of the 2022 season to me comes down to touchdown production. You know, his quarterback, first year quarterback through seven touchdowns. He had zero for the first time in his career. 2021, he had eight. 2020, he had seven. Otherwise, a lot of the, the numbers were in line with the past two seasons. You know, 2021, he got fed by Ben Roethlisberger, 169 targets, finally got over that thousand yard mark. Uh, but in 2020, 144 targets, only 88 catches, 923 yards to go with those seven touchdowns. Last season, 86 receptions, 882 yards, kind of in the same same realm uh, from that standpoint, but just didn't have the touchdown. So if we think the Steelers' offense is going to be better, if we think that the offensive line is better, if Kenny Pickett's going to improve, uh, if he's going to regress back to his, his five touchdown a season or so average over his first three years in the league, um, then – uh, I feel like he's somebody who we're a little bit undervaluing right now and could make a big jump for next season. Yeah, I like I like After that one. Season. Sorry, I like Deontay as well. Uh, another player where I think the hate has gone too far. And um, yeah, as, as we kind of wrap up, I would just throw out Antonio Gibson as one last option yeah. here. Uh, he is a player who has had that RB1 season. Um, 
I, I really think we talked a little bit about Washington last week, I believe. Uh, I think Eric Bieniemy is is really going to make a huge difference yep. uh, on that with that roster. You guys were, yeah, I had him on my list too, Ryan. I just I didn't put him because we talked about it last season, Ken. Or last well, I just year, think with with Bieniemy, you guys remember he does have the greatest Sports Center nickname of all time, correct? Sleeping with the enemy. Sleeping with the enemy. Sleeping with the enemy. Yeah. So that that I I can never look at him and and think that. I I'll just say this, but before we close here, um, Matt, it's it's not you, it's me. You know, I think that we're probably going to break up on the the Deontay Johnson pick. I'm just not convinced that the Pittsburgh offense is going to be good enough to be able to sustain Harris, Fryermuse, Pickens, Deontay. I, I don't know. I just I just haven't seen enough from Pickett to say, okay, he's he's definitely the future. He's the guy. And I, I do think that it has gone a little too far, but Deontay is one of those guys as I as I start doing mock startups, I just continuously see that he's not on my roster. So that one's gonna be really interesting to watch. You know, the evolution of the Pittsburgh offense is going to be, I think, one of the really big storylines this year in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he's not a fun player by any means. Like, he's not he's not fun. The Steelers in general, like, they're – I kind of feel like they're not that that fun. We have Matt Canada, who we, we hope was gone, and he's not. He's back. But the offensive line did play better. You hope Kenny Pickett is is going to get better with a full another full offseason. Uh, George Pickens is exciting, but he hasn't really put it on the field outside of the highlight plays yet. It just seems to me like Deontay Johnson has always been a very good target earner. And uh, I don't really see that part changing. It's just those touchdowns that need to come back. The DLF Dynasty Podcast Mock Draft. Let's go to our next segment. We're going to do another mock draft. Ryan Ryan said we weren't mocking enough, so I thought we would do two in a row. We're, we're going to do a little bit, uh, a little bit of a, a different kind of topic this week, like we did last week. This week is going to be the mispriced player mock draft so we're going to be looking through uh our adp you can specify superflex or one quarterback whichever you want if you're pulling out a quarterback it's probably from superflex adp um but uh, we're going to draft two players each who are priced either too high and two more that are draft uh are priced too low uh, in our june superflex adp so we're gonna do one round we'll each get four picks ken you got the 101 so i honestly feel like and, and this was not my intention but this really does look like I hate the rookie class, and I really don't. You know, there there are. Some, I mean, it's a little top heavy for sure. But I, again, I think that there there is an issue that I have with Anthony Richardson. And look, and it has nothing to do. We're gonna fight. We've that's already. Okay, broken that's up. all right. So hey, we've we've done it before with Kyle Pitts and others, and it's not a big deal. Here's here's the thing with Richardson that I see. Okay, so right now ADP Superflex ADP thirteen. QB nine. Okay. That's, that's pretty steep for a rookie quarterback. In my opinion, it's really steep for a rookie quarterback that has a real issue with accuracy. So I think that what's happened over the last few years is that we as dynasty owners and probably the NFL in general has become a little bit spoiled because we've seen two transcendently talented players fix something that is not normally fixed and that's their accuracy. And I'm talking about obviously Josh Allen and Jalen hurts. So 
could Anthony Richardson be the next Josh Allen? Sure. Could he be the next Jalen Hurts? Absolutely. This might be the the best athlete we've ever seen at the position. I I just I just look at it and think, okay, we're assuming we're assuming that he can fix his decision making. We're assuming he could fix his accuracy. We're assuming that the Colts don't throw him into the fire way too quickly. Uh, I mean, they did that. They couldn't oh, protect Andrew. I think I mean, he, he's the I, week one starter. I, I mean, they've basically already oh, said absolutely. that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I that concerns me. It concerns me a great deal because they don't necessarily have I, – I, I just don't think they have the structure around him to allow him to grow quick enough. So for me, especially when you're looking at, you know, pick 13 in a super flex – for me, I'm probably looking at somebody like like Fields, who I've already seen some some solid performances from, maybe somewhere in that same range, you know. And then taking a position player, you know, whether it's AJ Brown or Jalen Waddle or somebody like that, I, I just look at in a super flex draft, you know, you, I just don't think you can take a chance that highly on a quarterback who could bust. I think that there is a chance that that he is the next great thing at quarterback and if so that's awesome you know we we would love to see it in dynasty leagues i also think that the the bust factor on him is really high so to take him that highly i think you it is a serious leap of faith and one that i haven't seen really in quite some time you know with with a quarterback like this well i mean i get i get some of those concerns and i i share some of those concerns honestly i'm not i'm certainly not as high on richardson as matt is or or many others but I mean, you mentioned Fields. Based on our ADP, Fields is gone. Fields has an ADP of 10. So if you're at 13, again, based on our data, you're choosing between Richardson and Deshaun Watson. And, I mean, there's different kinds of questions with Deshaun Watson, obviously. Uh, he was not very good uh, for the back half of last season either. Uh, and he's uh, seven years older. So I think it's tough to compare fields and, and Richardson right now, because uh, there is a, a relatively sizable ADP gap. Are you taking Richardson or Watson? If you've got that 13 pick. I, honestly, if it's me, I probably take a position player or I look, I look elsewhere. The The reason why I brought up fields is because I would most likely take fields, it, Lawrence, somebody like that in the first round. And then on the turn, go back to a position player and see if I can't get my wide receiver one, you know, just in that range this year and then come back, you know, somewhere in the third round and look at some other players like, you know, Daniel Jones and others just to kind of fill things out. I, I don't think you have to go QB QB in a super flex league. I really don't. So, you know, for me, I would just rather, if I'm going to take, if you're going to take two quarterbacks, you know, sure. I, I think you can, you can maybe take that plunge, but if you're only taking one and you're going to go with a position player and then Richardson in the second round, boy, I think you're, you're setting yourself up for either a magical decade or an absolute disaster. So I, I just think it's, it's an interesting spot having him right there at the top of round two. I think it's just, it's, it's really interesting. So, you know, could you go CD lamb and Richardson, maybe Bijan and Richardson, maybe I, I just, I just think that for, for me, that highly in a draft in a super flex format, especially I'm a little bit more risk averse and I just look at his field of work. I mean, how many games did he start Florida? Was it seven? 
I mean, he has seven starts. I mean, that's that's not very many. I mean, and hey, look, I I saw it happen with Jake Locker. I've seen it happen with you know these guys who are elite level athletes who get into the league and then it just doesn't work when they can't throw the football as accurately as some. So I, I love the upside. I, I think that it's a, it's a home run. It's a swing for the fences type of pick. If you take him, you know, and I'll cross my fingers for you and hope it works out. I guess just for me, it's just a little bit too rich. To, to me, the case for taking Richardson at, at, at QB nine or 13 overall is that the next Maybe you maybe you leave Dak and Tua out of it. Maybe Kyler wants his his injury situation is resolved. But other than that, like the next ten guys, you know, throw them into a hat and you're going to get a similar production. Whereas Richardson offers that ceiling to get into that that top five, that top seven or eight, however you want to frame those top guys. And it's funny that you mentioned Justin Fields because Justin Fields last season. 25th in the league in terms of passing yards per game, only 149 and a half, 17 touchdowns, only 11 interceptions. He missed two games uh, and still was the quarterback six overall, uh, fifth in points per game, 20.47 points per game overall, without any of the passing to come along. So I just think that the the rushing is the floor. The passing comes along. It's the ceiling. We know he has a nice deep ball. Uh, we know that he does things in the pocket that that veterans do, like looking looking off defenders. We also know that he has dumb things like throwing the double and triple coverage because he believes his arms too, his arm too much. Uh, but I just I want to bet on the ceiling there at that range. So and I just don't know. Like you said, if you go for a position player, maybe you punt quarterback at that range. Maybe you're at the turn and you just punt quarterback completely, and you take two two very strong position players and you and you address it later. Um, but I don't think that if you if you draft Richardson, you're in the hole necessarily at quarterback because there's just so many of these guys uh, between quarterbacks, you know, 10 and 25, 26 that you could throw out there and be a starter in Superflex. So um, anything else there, Ryan? Otherwise, let's uh, grab your your pick here in the with the 102. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and get my guy here. You know, honestly, I was as I looked at the names, I was. Um, I was trying to make more of a splash with a big name player that I thought was either over or undervalued, but one of these guys in in kind of the middle rounds just stood out. So, so bad. Uh, JK Dobbins (laughs) is who I'm taking here. So JK Dobbins, uh, according to June Superflex ADP is the RB 13, which might not sound too bad. uh, 56 overall. But if you look at the running backs behind him, Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, Javante Williams, DeAndre Swift are, are the next several guys behind him. I would, I, I want all of those guys uh, above Dobbins. Dobbins has been in the league for 49 games worth of um, worth of time. He's played 23 of those. Last year, he played eight games. Five of those were single digit fantasy points. Uh, he put up single digit fantasy points. He has four RB one games in his career. I don't get it at all. I can't believe he's almost in that RB one range. I I don't know what happened. I thought, I thought maybe somebody really screwed with our data and took him in the first round or something like that. <laughs> that did not happen uh, pretty consistently in the, um, in the fifties and sixties uh, for that ADP of 56 overall. I, I was shocked by that one. I can't believe that's where JK Dobbins is going. I don't think that represents his, his current value at all. 
I've tried to acquire a couple of shares of Dobbins. I mean, I think his trade value is definitely different than the ADP value right now. Quarterback or excuse me, running back 13 is pretty crazy. I think he was our running back 16 and our one quarterback ADP. Um, but I've tried to pay a little bit more than a first to acquire him. And people are just so excited about this uh, Baltimore offense. I think that they want to hold and that's not, you know, the, the payoff is probably greater than that if it does work out. But I agree with you. We're not even really talking about, uh, and maybe for good reason, but we're not even mentioning Gus Edwards anymore. And we know that they yeah. like in, in the past have liked to use multiple running backs and he suffered a similar injury to JK Dobbins and he got back kind of sooner than JK Dobbins and he's going to be just as healthy as Dobbins is this season. So um, yeah, he's, that's a good one. Um, I'll pick, uh, let's see, man, I have so many names written down and Dobbins was definitely on the list, but I'm going to go with somebody that I believe is too low. And I'm going to say he's too low by four to five positional spots. And that's, that's Darren Waller. I think he's the best buy in all of dynasty right now. It, it's clear to me, uh, that he's going to lead that team and targets. He's the de facto wide receiver one for the giants right now. He's going 115 overall as tight end nine, um, behind, uh, you know, behind behind uh, Pat Fryermuth, which I guess is okay if you want to play the age. Fryermuth is not quite twenty five. Darren Waller is almost almost twenty nine. Uh, Goddard we like a lot, but Ken Cade is the one that sticks out a ton to me at, at tight end six and Superflex ADP. So I liked him to be up there above Kincaid, right behind George Kittle at this point in Dynasty. Um, I just think we're going to see a huge season from Waller and uh, we're going to see him well above that 115 overall uh, draft pick come this time next season. Totally with you. Great, great call on that one. Me too. Ken, I think it's back to you. The 104. It's it's interesting that you went that way with Waller because you, you actually mentioned the player that I had next on my list as a player who's ranked too highly to me. (laughs) And again, again, it's a rookie. It is. I got him on my list too. At what point did the Buffalo offense become the heaven for tight end production? It's I, I don't understand where that came from. So what is the Buffalo offense predicated on? It's predicated on Josh Allen's ability to scramble, make plays with his legs, throw a deep ball to Diggs or Davis. And they're going to run more this year as well. Somehow, Dalton Kincaid is all the way up to 89 in ADP, tight end six. Dawson Knox is not dead, as far as I know. I mean, I I don't I don't understand the love that is that is being shown for Kincaid. I've seen and I've been in a number of rookie drafts, actually, just this last weekend, where he was going. I think he went fifth overall in one, wow. sixth overall in another, and it just kind of reminds me of like remember when when everybody's just kind of like chasing the Chiefs running back. That's just kind of what it's like. Now it's all of a sudden we're chasing the Bills tight end. And I don't understand where it comes from. And, you know, as far as Kansas City goes, I think it's because Kareem Hunt was just really good those few years. So everybody thought, we'll just plug in another guy. It's going to be great. I don't see Kincaid, uh, if anything, if anything, his value is is baked in to where you're going to get him right now. There, there's no value in, in taking him where he's at right now. And it's it's really interesting when you really dig deep into the ADP, you look at where he's being taken. 106, 104, 65, 85. I mean, it's just all it takes is one guy to fall in love with him. But what I'm seeing across the landscape is there are a lot of people falling in love with Kincaid, and I'm just not one of them. Yeah, I'm fading at that price. I, I think t- tight end six is insane. Like he, he's not Kyle Pitts, am I right, Ky- uh, Ken? 
No, he's, he's far from Kyle Pitts. I mean, Kyle Pitts is still, I think he's <laughs> ADP one, correct now, right? Isn't he number one overall over in both regular <laughs> and, and super flex? And in tight end premium, I believe you just have Kyle Pitts and that's like your whole team. I think that's <laughs> yeah, what it in is. My mark, yeah, so I think that's pretty yeah. much how it is. Now, Grant, I will say this to you, Matt. I am higher on Kyle Pitts this year than I was last year. Ooh, I know. I was. I, I actually Spoiler thought alert. we would see him pop up on this list for you on this no. one. I was waiting for it. I thought it was going to be your first no. pick. Uh, Ryan, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to take. Uh, I'm actually going to take a guy that we've already talked about. So this this might be a a quick conversation. I'm I'm going to take DJ Moore here, uh, wide receiver, 23, cool. 67 overall. Uh, again, you look at the opportunity for him to be the wide receiver one, and I get the concerns about about fields or about how, how, you know, successful that offense might be in general. But I, I just think he's, he's being uh, undervalued by, you know, a handful, a handful of spots just among the wide receiver position, which could equate to uh, around a round and a half uh, in our overall ADP. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I don't disagree at all. Uh, I would I would love to acquire him. I've been picking up a lot of underdog drafts lately. Nobody really wants to stack Justin Fields, it seems like, at least in my draft. So I, it seems really easy to pick mm-hmm. up uh, uh, DJ Moore uh, in that like six, six, seventh round range at, at times. Um, my next player, uh, Ken, did you have any comments on Moore? No, not to add to to what we've already. I, I just think that, again, okay. it's it, he's a solid pick. I, I think that you know, when I look across the landscape again, Moore is one of those players who tends to be on my rosters and not off. So I'm totally hundred percent with Ryan on this one. Yes. Um, okay. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to wide receiver position. Tyree kill 33rd overall wide receiver 10. I, I kind of feel like he's six to two, six to eight spots too high. He's 29 years old. The next closest in age in the top 10 wide receivers is AJ Brown at 26. I uh, just turned 26 actually a couple of days ago. Um, and now we have this legal situation, you know, is he going to get suspended? If he it does get suspended for the whole season, Tyree kill himself has said he wants to play maybe two more years. So I just, I think he's such a risk at that level. And I know, I think Ryan, I think we talked about it several episodes ago, episodes ago, you said he jumped up uh, quite a bit in ADP from last month. Um, I don't have those numbers in front of me, but at wide receiver 10 overall, I think you are, you're, you're asking for it here. Uh, with his current situation and age uh, in, in comparison to the rest of the top 10 wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, we group these guys together so often and I mean it, it, because it's so easy to do, but I mean, Cooper cup is wide receiver 15 and Devonte Adams is wide receiver 17 and Diggs is 13. So, I mean, just those data points alone tell you Tyreek Hill is, is being overvalued. Ken? It's funny because I was going through this and trying to figure out who I would say. And Tyreek Hill was at the top of my list as well. I look at him right now as one of the two or three prime cell candidates. If you have him on a dynasty roster, because you look at his production and it's, you know, it's amazing. I, it might, it actually, it's probably two or three weeks too late after the Right you know, after that's after the charges say, here, yeah. I mean that's that's going to be the hard part right now. Um, but boy, if if somehow those charges go away, I would be moving him pretty quickly. Especially he came out and said he oh, he, sure. just, 
I think he has two or three more seasons, and that's pretty much going to be the end of it. Um, certainly an electric, dynamic, unbelievable player. He's a guy who has haunted me for the better part of the last decade. You know, I, I mean, he, he was a player who I picked up as a free agent after so many rookie drafts, ended up dropping him in the preseason only to have other guys <laughs> pick him up and have him for the next decade. You uh, know, he's, he's, he's one of those unbelievable, like – you know, one of those players who who you just grab off the wire for nothing, and he he just turns around the your team's fortunes. So, um, I won't be disappointed when he's not in the league anymore, and I won't be haunted by that any longer. But yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent with you on that one. I think that that he is he is definitely kind of coming to an end here. I, I do think. Uh, last thing on Tyreek, I, I do think the announcement about his career retiring or whatever. I mean, to me, that was a nothing like for him to for him to come I, out and say he's going to play two or three more years uh, or and to see dynasty managers panic over that. I mean, he's 30 years old or I'm sorry, he's 29 years yeah. old. So, yeah, we already know in two years we're not going to value him the yeah. same. Like <laughs> we know yeah. that we know he's not going to be a, a wide receiver one in two years, whether he's playing or not. So if there was any kind of discount, I actually liked Tyreek as a buy a month ago, two months ago, because of that statement and, and the many, uh, the many, uh, I don't know, discount you got from that, uh, because of, of the way people reacted. But now, as you say, with the, with the off the field issue, I don't think he'll get, I certainly don't think he'll get suspended for the whole year. You know, maybe, Maybe not at all the way the way the league has has gone lately, but um, yeah, he's he's, a, he's well. They a have video, right so now. that's they have video, so it's that's that's the scary part. When they got video, it's just it seems like a matter of time before that stuff gets released, yeah. you know. And maybe the way the the way the legal system has worked with with like Alvin Kamara, maybe we're not even talking about that until this time, you know, next year when we're when he might actually get. Yeah, there's Kamara video so, too. Yeah, exactly. And nothing's so, happened. so it might be it might be nothing. Well, presumably something. I mean, the story everybody is telling is that something is going to happen this before this season. But like you said, nothing, nothing has yet. So maybe it's nothing. I, I certainly have tried to take advantage of that of the, the the narrative and tried to buy him cheap over even over the last couple of weeks and haven't been able to get it get it done for even like a, a late first. So like at that point, I feel like we're. Uh, late first is kind of all I'm willing to spend on him. At this so point. really the, the lesson today then is make sure that you don't undervalue veterans and make sure that you always buy the video of any transgressions that you've had. <laughs> so that way yeah. it can't be used against you in the future. So, okay. Yeah, I, I feel like this is like, we need like one of those rainbow, the more, you know, things from NBC. <laughs> I feel like we're, we're probably, we're changing lives today. I love it. All right, Ken. We uh, we're, we got we got eleven minutes left on the clock here, so let's speed through. Ken, this Ken's got to take an time. undervalued guy here. Actually, has to take two of them. He's two he's taken both of his overvalued. Oh, you already so. did your overvalue. You've yeah. locked yourself in. You put yourself know, in a corner, man. That's not. You should know. You got to leave hey, yourself with options. Baby's in a corner. Baby's in a corner. Okay, so here's where I'm going to go for an undervalued player right now. ADP one hundred twenty four point two five tenth round value, right? And it's Elijah Moore. All right. So now Elijah Moore last year um, certainly was the victim of horrible quarterback play with the Jets. And, you know, certainly he got phased out of the offense. He wanted to be traded. He didn't want to be there anymore. 
But we've seen in the past some flashes of brilliance from this guy. He's still only 23 years old. He moves on to Cleveland. I think, you know, and, and it's interesting to, you know, Ryan and I could probably go back and forth on this a little bit. I, I think Chubb is overvalued right now, just even where he's at, because I yeah. think Deshaun Watson, they are paying him an inordinate amount of money, so much money to where the owners have basically banded together and said, we're never paying somebody else a contract like this ever. So what is Cleveland going to do this year? I think they're going to throw the football. And I think that they are going to try to justify what they've given Watson in terms of, of his contract. So who's going to be the beneficiary of that? Amari Cooper. But we've, we, I mean, how many, how many years do we have to be fooled by this with Cooper? Cooper's going to have monster games followed by clunkers. And I think more in the 10th round, you know, you're talking about, you know, guys in this range, Juju Smith-Schuster, no thanks. You know, I mean, Mingo, okay. You know, I, I, I just look at him and, and even like a 31-year-old Tyler Lockett, more has upside that is going to be higher than just about anybody kind of in that range. And I think, you know, for me, it's a, it's a relative bargain at that ADP. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ken. I, I go back and I think about Watson in, in college and his slot receiver, Hunter Renfro, and if Elijah Moore, his best spot is the slot. You know, it was a pretty good combination. So, uh, Ryan, your next pick. I'm going to go with uh, another player that we've talked about recently. Talked about him quite a bit last week. I'll take Brock Purdy here. He's the quarterback 26, mm -hmm. 79 overall. And, um, again, we talked about it a lot last week. The more I think about the situation, every update we get is seemingly a positive one when it comes to Purdy. Uh, I feel like the 49ers – you know, we talk about this quarterback controversy or we try to figure out what they're going to do. They basically have told us what they're going to do. And it's it's that they're going to start Brock Purdy if he's healthy. And again, most uh, reports are uh, are positive in that light. So, you know, then it really just becomes a matter of the ADP. And again, quarterback 26, he is. Uh, He's below his teammate, Trey Lance. He's below the veterans, uh, Rogers, Russ, Derek Carr. He's below Pickett, who uh, he outplayed rather easily last year, uh, at least from a fantasy uh, production standpoint. And, and then you've got Goff and Geno. Like, we could be talking about Brock Purdy as a top 15 dynasty quarterback this time, not only this time next year, but, you know, even in the middle of the season. So he's way too low. Can't uh, disagree with that one at all. I also went quarterback. I went with Geno Smith, 46th overall quarterback, 19 for a guy who finished as quarterback five last season over the full 17 game schedule. I just don't know why we are continuing to discount Geno. The only thing that happened to his team this offseason is that it got better. Those, those rookie rookie guards, those rookie offensive linemen that he drafted last year that were a pleasant surprise, they're going to be another year more experienced. They added Jackson Smith and Jigman. They added Zach Charbonnet. They are Loading this offense for Geno Smith. He even runs a little bit, 366 rushing yards last year. Uh, so you get another couple game point, points per game boost there from him. Uh, so I just, quarterback 19 to me, he should be closer to that quarterback, that, that range with Dak Prescott, that range with Tua, that range with um, that, that, that kind of, uh, you know, that back end quarterback one is where I kind of feel like Geno belongs in that 12 to 14 15 range at the at the minimum for me. I I would agree with you if his season had been consistent. 
So I, it was the, up and the down. pause that I, that I would have with that is his first half was a lot better than his second half. For now, sure. For sure. Is that because, you know, teams had tape on him and they could game, but I don't, I don't really buy that. I just think that the real Geno Smith is probably somewhere in between his first half and second half. I don't think he is quite as dominant as he was the first eight, nine games. I don't think he's quite as bad as he was the second half of the season. I don't disagree with you in terms of, you know, them adding talent and, you know, everybody in Seattle is pretty stoked about it, but I, I still think there are questions abound with him and, and I don't think I'd take him quite that high. Well, I'd rather have him than cousins love. It's same, same as no, the you bag. said low like, end, I mean, low end quarterback it, one. And that puts him ahead of Stroud, ahead of Daniel Jones. I, I honestly, you're right. I almost had Gino on my overvalued list or, or too high list. Oh, so geez. yeah, we, we just disagree like, on that one, I guess. I just see another low-end quarterback one season again for a guy that I don't know. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not sure I want on. him We're over Russell on. Wilson. Oh, okay. I I think okay. that I think that's a valid argument. I think that's a valid argument. So yeah, and Gino is right. he's not 22 anymore. So yeah, I mean we, I'll digress, but I I think that that's that's an interesting player to watch. So my last one, so a guy who is undervalued right now. You guys might think I'm nuts on this one. I mean, I went. I was looking at some guys who are pretty deep, including like Rashid Shahid and, and whatnot. But okay. uh, let's let's go a little bit more mainstream on this front. What's going to happen when DeAndre Hopkins finds a home? Because right now you're looking at ADP of right around 122, wide receiver 44. He's only six months older than Devontae Adams, who is, what, 60, 70, 80 spots ahead of him. Are there concerns with, with D-Hop in terms of injury and usage? Of course. Do I still think he has something left in the tank for a contending team this late in a draft? For sure. I mean, you're talking about, you know, 11th round value here. So I, I don't I don't think he's going to be this dominant top five wide receiver one again. But you look at where he's talking about going, whether it's New England or Tennessee. And granted, they don't have the greatest passing games of all time, but he's going to be a target monster wherever he goes. And I think that in terms of veterans who you can get on the cheap who are going to outperform their ADP. If you're a contending team and you can get him for, you know, this kind of value right now, I don't think it's a bad move to make because I think as soon as he signs that ADP is going to start creeping up because there's going to be, you know, a lot of, a lot of good juju that's coming his way. Have you guys seen those? Uh, I'm sure you've seen like the, stat split tools you know we have one at dlf and rotoviz has a good one where you can see how the player performs with a certain player in the lineup or which you know if they're playing the left-handed quarterback or you know all kinds of every kind of detail um i would like to see the deandre hopkins splits uh with peds and without because i'm not (laughs) i'm not sure I'm not sure what we've seen recently, especially the past um, year and a half or so uh, is the real DeAndre Hopkins at this point. Well, if if Barry Bonds had an 11th round value, like I would take Barry Bonds. <laughs> if it's Barry Bonds or Mark McGuire or Sammy Sosa, you know, even, even post roids. But might, Hopkins is still it. being drafted ahead of Tyler Lockett and Lockett is younger. He's on a team. 
and he's been a wide receiver one basically every year of his career. So Lockett, no, Lockett's not a, I mean, that's a, that's a good, uh, that's (laughs) not a bad pick. I mean, it's, I was, I mean, right around that 10th, 11th round, I think there's a lot. He really should be. I mean, that's, and you look at, it's funny because the ADP, you look at those guys, 119, DeAndre Hopkins, 121, Tyler Lockett, 122, Elijah Moore. Like there are guys in this area. And I think it just kind of goes to show like, and I, I've always been a believer in this, that drafts are not won in the first two or three rounds. Drafts are won in the double digits, double digit rounds. So you've got to do your homework and you've got to figure out where the value really lies in each and every draft that you're involved in. I think, uh, I think I'm up next with my last yeah, pick, last pick right? um, a player that is too high or overvalued. This one kind of feels like chalk to me. I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor. He's the RB two. He's 19 overall. Uh, he's, he's simply not my RB two. So I have concerns there. I'd rather have Brees Hall. Um, if you're, if you're trying to contend and you're drafting a new team, I'd rather have Christian McCaffrey. So, and you know, the, the moves that, uh, that the Colts have made, obviously Anthony Richardson being the, the most important one there, they make me worry about the upside of Jonathan Taylor a little bit because we, we all know that, you know, we know the numbers from running backs uh, with those, with those rushing quarterbacks and um, uh, Richardson's going to take some touchdown opportunities away from JT. And then there's this injury issue. Like Jonathan Taylor had uh, ankle surgery this off season. I'm, I'm still not sure he's fully healthy and, and he wasn't really fully healthy at all uh, last season. Yeah, and he's like you mentioned, uh, with that new offense, it just seems like he's going to miss out on some high value touches. He's going to lose some touchdowns to Richardson. He's going to lose some. He's going to lose some receptions to Richardson running and taking off and running right. So, and he always already wasn't like a, you know he's fine as a pass catcher, but he's not somebody's splitting out and running routes and things like that. So, like that one, I'll wrap us up here. I'm going to wrap us up with the the player that uh, that 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 kind of started this whole kind of podcast for me and that's Najee Harris 47 overall running back nine I just think he's seven or eight spots too high we saw the efficiency just tank last season uh we we didn't get nearly the 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 amount of uh, checkdowns like we did with Roethlisberger the previous season as we did with, with Pickett Pickett wants to throw the ball downfield so I I just think Warren's going to come on and uh his I just think it's all bad news for Najee Harris. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to wrap it up there. It, well, I guess, I guess real quick, we can mention some players that we, that just missed our, our list here. Some other players real quick for me, DK Metcalf too low, Miles Sanders too high, uh, Jahan Dotson too low, Rashad Bateman too low. Brian, you got any that missed? Uh, too high, Debo Samuel, Michael Mayer. I think both of those guys are being overvalued right now. Kenneth Walker, we already talked about. I had him on my too low list. Uh, I have Kyle Pitts on my too high list and Kyle Pitts on my too low list as well. There it is. There it is. All right. That's going to do it. We didn't get to our listener questions. Apologies, guys. We'll try again next week. We are out of time for Ryan at RyanMC23 for Ken at DLF underscore Ken K. I'm at Matt Price FF. You can follow Dan at DMiler22, the podcast at DLF podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week with another episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.